I'm Dan, and I'm the pastor here at Calvary, and I want to welcome you if you're a guest. We are in uh, the second part of a three-part series that we've uh, entitled Children of the Kingdom, and this is all about how we relate, not just in our society and in our culture with kids and in families, but uh, really as, as, as a fellowship, as a, as a church. Last week, we talked about uh, a very heavy issue, a very sensitive kind of a thing. We looked at abortion. Uh, Stacy Dunn with Tennessee Right to Life was here, and it's just a powerful service. And I know that for some of you, it was a very difficult um, experience. And I can see you. I see you. And I can see the tears, not just on some of you women, but some of you guys. I got your emails. I've had some conversations this week. And I know that it's a, it's a difficult path particularly those of you who um, have experienced the pain of, divorce, of, of abortion in your own life. And I trust the healing power of the Lord. And we just sang, you know, just listen to these ladies, just sing that so beautifully, that, that, that my shame, that my hurt and the pain uh, is under the blood of Christ. And one of the things that I've become kind of freshly aware of i think in in my life is not only when when i live the crucified life when i'm in jesus that not only does my future now belong to him and that everything that i've abandoned myself you know and and i've stopped trying like kevin said just a moment ago god i'm gonna quit trying to do good things for you or anything and i'm just gonna allow you to crucify me like galatians 2 20 says and i'm gonna get out of your way so that you can live through me and the beautiful thing that we typically think about when, when we embrace that is, oh, my future just took a, <laughs> a big turn. You know, everything just changed. Hey, check this out. Your past just took a big turn too, okay? Because that is crucified as well as the future. It's just it's just a beautiful thing. But uh, I just I love the things I've heard from you and what God's doing in your life and just how he's going to bless uh, from this moment forward. Today we're going to talk about a different issue still under this banner um, of the children of the kingdom and the ministry we have to children and with children. Uh, but we're going to look at a, a totally different d- d- place uh, in, in this season of adoption. Uh, it's just a fascinating thing. And I think there are times, you know, if I were to say, well, God spoke to me this week, you'd go, that's great, Pastor. We love when God speaks to you every now and then. That's really cool. But I know three specific incidences, and it should have been like three times every 30 minutes or something, but three powerful moments in my life this week where, and I don't want to try to sound spiritual, and I always hesitate to say stuff like this because, you know, how it comes across like, oh, he really thinks he's kind of got this thing down. I absolutely don't, but... Uh, but these three just real precious moments where God just spoke to me very specifically, and one of those is about this topic today. The next week, I hope you, if you are a parent, used to be a parent, going to be a parent, live next door to some parents, saw parents on television, um, and not modern family, just, I mean, legit, realistic kind of parent, you know, uh, I hope you come back, and we're going we're gonna to bring kids in next week because I'm going to share. Did you know that there's only one commandment? You've only got one thing you've got to do. The Bible says one thing. I'm going to tell you what it is next week, okay? Now, today, um, I'm, I'm speaking to you live from my new thing, table, 
pulled podium. We don't know what to call it, but isn't it beautiful? There's a local metal artist named Preston Faribault. The guy's absolutely brilliant. Uh, he's done work for Red Bull and for NASCAR and uh, ESPN and just a lot of companies and, and organizations. And he just kind of creates things out of his head. He's just one of those creative genius kind of people. And uh, some folks who are dear friends of ours and, and you know, love us here at Calvary said, we want you to have something special, we want you to have something unique, something that nobody, I mean, Andy Stanley, Francis Chan, they don't got this. No, just me. Um, and so he created that. I just saw it yesterday for the first time. This thing is beautiful. Make some adjustments because it's freakishly tall for a normal height person like myself. But um, <laughs> anyway, I just really appreciate that. And I have a little more space here for all my accessories. I'm kind of like a G.I. Joe of ministers. I always got stuff, you know. I, got, yeah, I, got, I got something here. I want to congratulate some of you in the impact class. I know you are in Special Olympics yesterday. Some of you brought home trophies and awards. God bless you. Uh, so proud of you. Uh, so proud of you. I wanted to be there so badly. I, I was speaking at an event in Pigeon Forge for another organization, but uh, I was thinking about you and praying for you. We're so proud. Uh, one of the biblical images of our relationship with God is adoption. I want you to embrace this and just kind of lean into what I'm going to say because this is so strong. This is so good. It's an image that Paul often used, and it's a little unusual, and I want to give you a look at one of the passages where he used it that I think it's the most profound uh, because he, he just borrows this language that's really not a part of his background or his heritage, uh, but it is in the culture where he lives. So let, let me tell you what I'm talking about. It's in Ephesians. It's in chapter 1, and this occurs in a lot of places, but particularly right here. Um, and I'm in Galatians, so let me flip around. Okay, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 5. You know what? Well, I think we just have verse, verse 5 up here. But I'm going to back up to verse 4. It's really this like long, this run-on sentence. So to, to kind of get it, let me go before and beyond it. But you catch up to me at verse 5 on the screen. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, I love this. In love, he predestined. He chose. He picked us. I pick you. For adoption, underline that, as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. I just love that verse. That's just so strong. He, he, he picked us. In this letter, he talks about God choosing us as his children and bringing us into his family. Adoption was a concept that, that Paul got not so much from his Hebrew uh, heritage, his roots there. It, it, they didn't really have that kind of concept. This is from Roman culture. And, you know, he's one of those guys that just goes through his life and he just pulls things from, oh, sports? Yeah. P politics? Yeah, I got that. I mean, he just, he's just so brilliant how he incorporates everything when he, when he communicates. And although the Jews didn't have a strong adoption tradition, and an orphaned Jewish child would have been taken in and raised to adulthood probably by the next of kin. You know, they would have relatives and family, a Hebrew family. Uh, there was no legal adoption 
kind of a system, at least that I know of, that I could, I could find evidence of uh, in, in that culture. But there was in Roman society. And the reason for this may have been the preservation of the birthright and the inheritance within the family and, and a lot of those kind of things going on culturally. But within Roman society, however, adoption was a legal reality. And under Roman law, an adopted child, don't, don't miss this, became a new person, got a new identity. And that, see, that just resonates with me because I'm living right now out of a new identity. And I understand this in a more intimate way than I have ever, maybe. I, I just, you know, that I'm, an, I'm a new guy. I'm a new guy, new person. And we received a new name, a new identity. Adoptees were legally separated from everything that made up their past. Everything. They were given legal rights to all the wealth, any inheritance, everything in their new families. They are just as in and just a part of that now as birth children, as, you know, it's just an incredible thing that God does. So Paul takes that kind of language and something they were familiar with, and he pulls that over uh, into uh, our spiritual life. And one of the things that that means to me is that we have a new relationship with God. It's different than it ever was before. It's a brand new position. Jesus, obviously, was the child of God. He was the monogonist. He was the only begotten. He was the son of God. Check this out. His first recorded words in the Bible include a reference to God as a father. He was about 12 years old. And they were looking for him, and they, and they found him. And just like parents are, you know, uh, when, when you've got children, particularly if you've got several children, uh, you know, you've got a busy life. And you've, you've got, you know, you're all over the place. Um, and that's the way Jesus' family were. And they found Jesus, and Jesus says, Don't you know that I'm to be about my father's business? This was kind of curious because people didn't talk about God like that. They didn't relate to God as a father. This was sort of sort of new, sort of like a different concept. And then his last words on the cross were, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. First thing we ever hear Jesus say, and then at the cross we hear Jesus say, Father, Father. And between those two events, the gospel writers record Father on his lips 170 times. How do you think Jesus saw God? <laughs> as a father. As a father. And the interesting thing is, at least to me, is that no individual ever referred to God in that way. I mean, they wouldn't even say God's name. They felt so distant, you know, like there was such separation. and said, well, we can't just come out and say his name. That's too personal. So let's just refer to him as the Lord. Let's just... Let's just kind of build another layer of distance. And Jesus jumps over that. He not only says, I'll say God, I'll say his name. In fact, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. I'm going to call him Father. They go, oh, Jesus, you're taking this too far. And this is one of the big things, really, that initiated all the persecution against him. The people around him in his neighborhood and in the synagogue, they saw this as blasphemous. 
And Jesus, he wasn't trying to be in their face. He was just living out his life. In fact, he goes beyond that. And he goes, not only am I going to say his name, not only am I going to refer to him as father, I call him Abba. Which means, it's like what a little child would use. It's like, it's like our kids would say, Daddy, Papa. Hey, Dad. They freaked out. They could not. They said, you, you've gone way, way. You've crossed all kinds of lines now uh, to call him that. No, no Jew had ever used that word in reference to God. But it's on Jesus' lips. And here's the most amazing thing. He not only said, you know what, I'm going to call him that, then why don't you call him that too? It's okay. Have you ever prayed and, you know, and I, I come from a home where we weren't real religious, uh, but whenever we did refer to God, uh, he was God Almighty. That was his name. It was like one word, and you changed your tone, God Almighty. Well, you know, let me tell you what, God Almighty I grew up, I was scared to death, you know. And then when I, when, so when, when I become a Christian, and I'm like 19, and I'm praying, I'm going, God Almighty, it just feels weird calling you that. Can I call you Father? Can I just call you Daddy? Because you just become like a daddy to me. And that's okay. And Jesus says, not only is that okay, I want you to do that. I want you to do that because you are not cousins, you're not distant relatives, you're, you're not the kid next door, you're not, you're not somebody that we, okay, you can come in the room, you can share this space, but just so you know, I'm the son of God, and you're not. He said, no, I'm the son of God, and guess what? This, is, this is, should just knock you out for the rest of the day. Not only am I the son of God, now, you are with me, and your sons and your daughters, just like me. We think that can't be true. That's not Dan. You're going too far. That's what the Bible says. In fact, the whole story of the Bible is the story of our adoption into the family of God. Adoption is the means by which every believer enters into the family of God. There's not one of you here that was born into God's family. The Bible says you were born into sin. And then he adopted us to himself. Isn't that beautiful? Look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God, are, and this is what the Bible says, you are sons, you're daughters of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of, would you just say this with me? Adoption. As sons by which we cry, Abba, but Daddy, Daddy, Father. Adoption is never plan B. It's never God's second best. It's simply one way that God in His wisdom chooses for us to be parents. Whether you become a parent biologically or through adoption, the fact is that children are not they're not this right that you have. They are a gift. They are a blessing from the Lord. And the Bible always, always, always presents adoption as this gracious, beautiful, positive act that is always just in rhythm and in sync with God's plan. Adoption is the way that God in his wisdom can choose for a couple to become parents. 
The Bible always presents adoption as a part like that of his of his plan. Let me give you a couple of examples. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And that adoption was woven into God's overall plan for the deliverance of Israel from Egypt in Exodus chapter 2. Here's another one. Check it out. When Esther's parents died, Mordecai, her cousin, took her in, the Bible says, in in Esther chapter 2, as his own daughter and adopted her. And it was through that adoption that led to this amazing, this beautiful, this wonderful deliverance of the people of God. It's through her. And in a way, I think the most famous adoptee ever had to have been Jesus. I mean, think about it. He was an adoptee, right? I mean, Joseph was not his biological father. God was his father, but Joseph brings him into his home and he adopts him. He accepts Jesus and he provides for him with all the love and the encouragement and the guidance that a son needs from a real earthly dad. So Jesus was raised in this adopted home. Isn't that beautiful? And he learned these carpentry skills and he lived there with his brothers and sisters and he was he was a part of this this family, and they weren't wealthy, and they weren't broke. They were just kind of like a lot of us, just sort of in the middle. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says this, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. And then the next verse says, <laughs> I'm just reading on the screen like a robot, when, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of the woman, born under the law, everything's as it should be, to redeem, to bring back, to get those back who were under the law so that we might receive, would you say this with me? Adoption as sons, as daughters. Isn't that God? So here's a couple of things I want you to know. One is this. If you were adopted into your family, you were predestined. You were picked. You were chosen. See, when I was born into my family, they didn't have a lot of choice about it. There he is. Yep, that's him. They didn't pick me. <laughs> they just got me. If you were adopted, you're so special because you were picked. You were chosen. And that's a life of blessing. You're right where you need to be. And that's, that's just a lovely thing. Your parents picked you. They chose you. And here is my not-so-secret agenda about that. One is I want you to realize if you are a follower of Jesus, you have been adopted into the family, that you are His and you are precious. And I don't want you to say, I don't know, our self-esteem gets so messed up, usually by first grade or kindergarten, you know, we, we begin to, to believe these lies and, and everything spins off. I think what pulls us back is this powerful idea, God picked me. And I'm his son. I'm his daughter. He loved me that much. He loved me that. He loves you that much. So I want you to take that home with you. The other idea that I want to present to you today is this. I believe that God wants more families in our fellowship, in our community, to consider adoption. 
for your family, for you as a couple, for you as a home. I really do. I know we have several folks in our fa- in our church family who have adopted uh, some from your extended family. You've brought those those kids into your house. Some of you, um, it has been internationally. We have children in our church from all kinds of other places, and and that has just been a wonderful experience. We've had some interna- uh, some nationally from here in the U.S. and other places. I, I and I love it. I just love that. And and those of you who have been willing to step into that adventure, hasn't God blessed you? And would you ever do anything any differently? And you think, no, after all the the, the, the red tape and the financial part and all of that, you think, do it again in a heartbeat. I believe that God is speaking to some of us and that he's he's kind of pulling you into this. I believe God wants more of us to adopt children. And one of the solutions to the the issue, the crisis we talked last week about abortion and all of that, one of the the best ideas is, hey, why don't we just adopt those children, just have those children and then adopt them. I have some friends that uh, I want to introduce you to. Rhea and Christy O'Leary are here with us today with their beautiful family. And uh, the Lord has really spoken to them in just a, just a powerful way, in a unique way. Uh, some of these children uh, have been uh, students of Kathy's. Kathy teaches piano out of our home. And, and they have, uh, boy, she and she's mean, they can tell you. She's tough and she talks rough to them. And, you know, and they've endured that and have held up under, you know, the, the brutal personality of my wife Kathy and, um, and I know kids I know I live with her and she well, she's she's rough but um, that's just been a just a, a precious thing and she just she's told me you this family they're just so amazing God's just working in their life and so I've asked them to come and to share with you what God has done and is doing and will continue to do in their life because I thought there's no better way for you to get this you've got to hear it firsthand you've got to hear it from them and then as they share, you just think, Lord, we want to be like we sang a moment ago. We raise our white flag. We're totally surrendered to you. What do you want to do in our life? What do you want to do in our life? Do you want to extend our family and do you want our family to grow through adoption? Would you pray about that? And if you're in a place where you think, well, I know that's not for me because I'm in this circumstance or that right now. Here's like plan C. And this is something we've done for I don't know, three decades, we always have children that we have adopted through Compassion International. We've always got kids that we're supporting around the world, and it has been a blessing for us. If you can't adopt, you can do that. You can be a great aunt. You can be a great grandmother. You can be, I mean, there are children. We, we work, I love some of the ministry we have through sports in Montgomery Village and some of the other mentoring relationships uh, with soccer and all that we're doing where we're making connections and we're building relationships with families, with kids, with, without you know, a dad in the home or a mom in the home. Uh, if, if you say, God, I think this is settled and I'm not going to feel a false sense of guilt because you're not leading us to adopt, I don't think you're off the hook. I really think God says, okay, so what are you going to do? You're not just going to go home and watch television, okay? You, the Lord wants us to redeem a generation of boys and girls, young men and women, uh, for Christ, 
Uh, and I think there's going to be other avenues for you to express that, for you to live in that moment. But particularly today, I think you need to open your hearts in something you may have never considered. And it may be an awkward drive home for some of you couples today. What do you think about what Dan said? What do you think about what the O'Leary shared? I don't know. What do you want to eat? I, mean, I don't know how that's going to feel. But um, I want you to embrace that. And I want you to be open and watch how God blesses. So would you welcome uh, with me, Rhea and Christy, uh, this morning to share what God's doing with them. Hello, hello. Hey. Good morning, guys. I'm Reese, my wife, Christy. We have currently seven kids. Sydney is our oldest. She's 12. Keenan's 11. Joseph is eight, Samuel is seven, Aiden's five, Helen is four, and Bless is two. So that's quite a crew, isn't it? <laughs> so this morning, I'm going to use this nice little new podium. I brought an outline, guys, and the reason I brought an outline is because the story, we could stand up here for days and tell you what God has done in our lives over the last two years. Um, but to keep it in a, in a short time frame, I want to just kind of lay out an outline so we kind of stay directed. So it, it, it's always interesting. There's never a dull moment in the O'Leary <laughs> home. And you just kind of learn to roll with it. So we want to sh- just share our story with you all this morning. And it's um, actually, it's not our story. It's God's story. We're a very ordinary family, but it's a very extraordinary story. And it's extraordinary, again, because it's his. And, uh, and he wrote it. It started about five years ago, the adoption aspect of it. It started with our daughter, Sydney. When Sydney was seven years old, she had her heart broken by the Lord for orphans. Don't know why, other than it was just a God thing. Everybody hear me? Okay. So she started praying every single day for a little sister. She's praying and praying and praying. I didn't want anything to do with adoption. I didn't, I didn't, orphans, okay, God, I'll pray for them maybe once a month at best. But beyond that, I didn't think about it. I didn't want any more kids. We had the perfect American dream. Two boys and a girl, nice job, a house, all that. Life was good. And Sydney kept praying every single day. So two and a half years later, my wife yielded to the call of adoption. And at that point, I still didn't want anything to do with it. I had three kids, and uh, I had three. I didn't, I didn't feel like I had the money. God, it's a lot to adopt. That's a lot of money. We don't have the money. God, it's a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to watch after kids. I don't have any more time. It takes a lot of love. I'm pretty much maxed out trying to love my wife and three kids right now. I don't know if I have enough love, Lord, to go around. So I had all the excuses, and in my mind, they were pretty good. They were pretty good excuses. As a, as a father, as a provider, of course, he's the real provider, um, the money thing was a big one, you know. It's expensive. So I still didn't want any part of it. She comes to me and says, honey, I, I think God's calling us to this. And I'm like, ah. No, I'll pray I'll pray about it. So I started praying about it. Six months later, God speaks to me. He says, yes, I am calling you to this. 
you're my son. I adopted you just like Pastor Dan told us, and I'm asking you to adopt my children. You say hello. So I said, okay. I yield. I surrender, Father. We will. We'll step into this. We'll get one little girl. We'll get one little girl. So we submitted our application, and uh, we put down on the paper, we'll take one little girl. And then about a week later, the Lord speaks to us and says, you didn't seek me on that, did you, as far as, you know, what you wanted. And, um, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe we didn't. Anyway, God speaks and says, I want you to adopt siblings. I'm like, whoa. God, I'm stepping into one. You're telling me two? He said, I want you to adopt siblings. So I said, okay, Lord, we'll do it, whatever you want. Called the uh, adoption agency, and we said, all right, we want to change it to sibling set. And they said, you know what? There was one, a sibling set. That's Helen and Samuel, brother and sister. Just came open today. It's in your picture over. Um, saw the picture. Just started weeping. I knew instantly they were our children. And we said yes to them. And um, that process started February of 2010. Ooh, that hurts. <laughs> so on February the 24th, we're going to tag team here, okay? Y'all just bear with us. Roll with it. February of 2010, and on, um, at this point, Sydney is 10 years old, and she came to me, and she said, Mom, I had a dream last night. I said, okay, it was February 24th, and she said, someone in Africa desperately needs me. I said, okay, well, can you text her, or can you find a way to get to me? And so the next day, my, one of my best friends comes to me and says, Christy had a dream. I said, okay, and she said, it was um, you and Ree were bathing an African newborn baby, and he slipped under the water, and I walked in, and I scooped him out of the water, and I handed him back to you, and she said, and that's your baby. And I said, oh, no, we just accepted the referral of a, four year, a five-year-old and a two-year-old. What? Paige, that's your baby. And she said, oh, no. Her husband was adamant. I will never adopt, just like everybody else I know. And um, so, so we went back and forth, and, and I, I was convinced that was her baby. Um, court date and we were supposed to travel for court in April and we never, we didn't travel until August and um, I just kept thinking, Lord, why, why are you doing this? People that started after us finished before us and they just could not explain it. And then when we got, when Sydney and I traveled to Ghana in November of 2010 to bring home Samuel and Helen, we walked into one of the orphanages to visit the orphans and um, minister to them. And the orphanage director handed me a baby, and it was this child, and he was about nine months old. And my best friend, who had had that dream in America in February, emailed me, and she said, my husband said, ask about that baby. We want to adopt it. So God used this baby to change um, my friend's husband's heart about it. And then... So in April of 2010, it was time to go over and meet Helen and Samuel, our first children, okay? So going to Africa, it ain't cheap. So God says, I want you to take the whole kit and caboodle, the whole family. Lord, we don't have the money to do that. They said, do it. I said, okay. So we all went. During this process, I'll just throw this in. We won't go into detail here. 
But Sydney had, um, as I said, God had broken her heart early for the orphans. And she had decided to raise some money for our trip. And God gave her a vision to provide food, clean water, and medical supplies to the orphans in Africa. She designed a T-shirt and sold it, and within a couple months had raised over $8,000 and started a ministry called Feeding the Orphans. And so we had that money to take with us. So we took the whole crew, went and spent two weeks in Africa, and um, we got to minister. We got to go around to all the orphanages and utilize the money that God had provided through our daughter's ministry to, to, to provide food and feed the street kids. And it was just an amazing time in the Lord as a, as a new family of five. So we went, we did that for two weeks, and then in November of 2010, Sydney and Christy went back to Africa to pick up Helen and Samuel. Yeah, it was really cool. God's timing is awesome. It always is. But it was like a year to the day, we said on November the 16th, 2009, <coughs> yes to these two. November 16th, 2010, they set foot through Knoxville Airport. One year to the date. It's really awesome. So, what do we have here? So the the, the lady that had the dream about the baby um, decided that she did not want to adopt Bless because he had another brother. So at this point, Christy comes to me and says, "The Lord spoke to me." I said, "Uh oh." It's always that's always interesting. She's like, those are our children. Joseph and his, and, or Bless and his brother, they're our children. I said, honey, hold the fort. We just brought two kids home. They've been home three months. And you're telling me God's telling you for two more? I was happy with three. And she's like, yes. And I said, well, how do you know? How do you know? You know? And she said, well, I, he spoke it to me. And I said, God, you're going to have to confirm this because my husband's going to freak out. So you're going to have to really confirm it. So she says, um, we didn't know his brother, Bless. Joseph is his brother. We didn't know his name, didn't know anything about him. And she's like, God, if this is to be our son, our sons, make his brother's name meaningful. She got a phone call from the uh, orphanage director and said his brother is seven and his name is Joseph. She's like, okay, that's cool, biblical. So she's like, I'll Google it, right? Google everything. Let's Google it. So she Googles Joseph. In Genesis 3024 pops up, which says, um, and she named her son Joseph, meaning, may the Lord add to you another son. So she's weeping, (laughs) and I come to her, and I said, okay, that's pretty cool, but I don't know. She's like, honey, will you just pray about it? And I said, reluctantly, yes, I'll pray about it. So I started praying, and I did. I mean, I diligently prayed because she asked me every 10 minutes, are you praying? Are you praying? Yes, I'm praying. So about two weeks goes by, and I'm outside. I'm a star guy. Anybody like stars? I love constellations, man. So I'm outside. Beautiful night. I look up, and there's Orion the hunter. You know the guy that's got his arrow, you know? And I said, God, here's the deal. I said, I love you. If these boys are to be ours, can you, can you send a shooting star right across Orion's arm like an arrow going out? I'm walking in. The Holy Spirit says, turn around. I said, okay, turn around. He says, look up. I look up. Right across, I mean, right across, exactly where I asked him. 
exactly where I asked him. I sat there for a second. I said, it was pretty small, God, and it was really (laughs) fast. (laughs) And and I went in, and I told my family, you know, they were all for it. They'd have, you know, maybe we will, God willing, I don't know, whatever he wants, 100 kids. But they said, Dad, are you kidding me? God sent a shooting star exactly where you wanted it when you asked for it, and that's not enough for you? I said, "Mm mm-mm, I need more. I'm Gideon. I'm throwing my fleece. I need more. So I kept praying. And the joke of the family for two weeks during this interval praying process was, Dad needs a blazing comet. And I said, yes, Dad does. I do. This is just way beyond me. I I can't even fathom seven kids. So I'm praying. I'm outside another night two weeks later, and I said, Lord, I'm sorry I'm like Gideon, but I love you, and I know you love me more than I can imagine. I know you're gracious and merciful, so I'm going to come to you this last time. And I promise, I promise, Lord, if you show up and, and answer me, I will shut my brain down and walk in the Spirit and do what you're saying. And I said, so here's the deal. I'm asking you for a blazing comet. I want a monster shooting star, Lord. And if you show me that, it's, it's done. I'm going. And I said, amen. And I looked up. Guys, I'm serious. A monster shooting star just all the way to the ground. Man, I, I mean, I just, I'm hitting my knees. I'm weeping. I'm like, okay, Lord, I hear you. I hear you. So I come inside. I'm crying. She knows. Everybody in the whole family, ah, you know. So that, that's, that's how Joseph and Bless came to be in our home, Lord directed. Um, they came back six weeks ago. They've been home six weeks. And um, in summary, people say that, well, if you adopt, you don't go out of birth order. And for some families, that's probably, probably good. For us, it's like, you know, God directed it all, so we've messed the whole birth order up twice, and it's worked out beautifully. Some people say that, oh, it's going to mess up your biological kids. You're not going to be able to love them and and pour into them like you should because you're going to have more, and it's going to be confusing. Guys, I'm going to tell you what. It has been the best thing for our biological kids you could ever imagine. We've been, man, we love Jesus, love Jesus. So as a family, we have, we just want to go and serve the Lord. So before we started this whole adoption thing, before God did, we would go on a weekly basis and just pour in. We love kids, pour in inner city kids and homeless kids and ministry, ministry, out of love, not duty. And I'd take our kids with us. And we're like, man, this is really training them and helping them. And it was good. We did that for two years. But I'll tell you this, for those two years and growth of our children in the Lord compared to Two months after Samuel and Helen came home, they grew up so much more after these first two came home in two months than they had in two years in love and knowledge of the Lord. Because you know why? It's great and it's wonderful and it's a godly thing and we should all do it, go and pour into others and show them our love. But it's easy to do that for a couple hours and then go home in your comfortable little life. But when you invite that into your home and say, you know what, peck or high water, this is what it is because the Lord directed it. You grow up pretty fast, and they did. So it's been phenomenal for our kids. Money was the other thing, right? As a daddy, you know, that's always a big concern. I'm, I'll tell you this. We didn't have any money saved for any of these adoptions. We brought four kids home from Africa in 15 months, 
God provided every single penny. So you men out there that are thinking, like I was, well, that's cool, honey, I hear you. We don't have the money. Forget it. Jesus got all the money in the world. If he's calling you to do it, don't worry about it. It'll be there. $70,000 God gave us to bring these kids home. We had none. He provided it all. Every penny. Who's that kid? What about you, Dan? I know you got something. I think the only thing I want to say is if you're sitting on the fence and you're like, oh, can I, you know, do I want to do this? You do. You do. I have seven kids. Is it hard? Yes. I wake up tired. I go to bed exhausted. But I wouldn't trade it. Would you add to our family today? We would. And the blessing that you receive, people always say, you have your hands full and you're a blessing. No, I'm not a blessing. Because those children, all seven of them, are a blessing. And when you walk in, in downtown, in your family, and internationally, oh man, God is in it. He's going to give you strength and peace and courage. Just do it. Just yes. I'm so thankful that you do that. Yeah, God loves obedience. More than sacrifice, he says. And, and through this last two years, in, in closing, guys, um, the guy, the man who said, I'll never adopt. I don't, you know, orphans, schmorphans, okay. Um, the Lord has called us as a family. I, I've been in pharmaceutical sales for management 16 years. And last month, God said, I want you to quit and step full time in this ministry that your daughter started. I said, okay. So you learn to eat your words. Never say never to the Lord because um, it has turned full circle on us. So from, from that to full-time orphan care ministry now with seven kids and Lord knows how many more, it is nothing but a blessing. It's awesome, and praise be to, praise be to God because it's all him. So thank you guys for, for listening to our story. Bless you all. When Christy said, would we add to our family? Yes, we would. I looked at Reed to see if he would flinch. <laughs> and he didn't. Not for a second. Um, you're such a family of blessing. And some of you guys need to be checking Sydney out. I mean, I think you ought to meet her and then probably marry her. She's phenomenal. <laughs> She's an amazing young woman. And I can't wait to see how her life unfolds and what God does with with her and with all of you guys. I believe that if the Lord is speaking to you about adoption today and he wants you to adopt, I'm just going to ask that the lights would go off and on in this building. Right now, I'm just going to say... <laughs> Dude, did you... All right, we're going to form a line... To the O'Leary's and just kind of let them get you information how to get this started because it looks like we're all adopting. Um, you know, that is such a beautiful story. And I love their testimony and I love what God's doing in their life. And I know some of you are living this. Some of you are sitting there going, amen, amen, amen. We've got this child. We've got this child. Uh, I think there are more. I really do. I think God wants to add to this church family. And here's my vision. I spoke at an event yesterday in Pigeon Forge, and I was driving back home, and I was thinking about this. And in my, in my heart's 
I, I could see a year from now more children sitting in this room, more, more children down in kids' stuff because of today, because of this moment, because of families like the O'Leary's who say, do it, do it, and watch how God blesses you. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray about that. Uh, I love that at, at every step along the way, they said, well, we prayed about it. We prayed about the next thing. We prayed about the next thing. And God just kept gently leading them into the future. Uh, and I, I think you just pray. And God's going to give you a sense of, no, that's not what I'm calling you to. And you don't have to wonder or feel that sense of, should we have? or should? God's going to close that door. And he's going to speak to you very specifically. No, but here's what I do want you to do. Or he's going to say, yes, actually, I do. And I need you on a plane to China. I need you on a plane to Africa. I need you on a plane to Haiti. I need you just to right here and to, to call the folks right here in Knoxville who've got some kids ready uh, for a home. I don't know. Um, we're at this place. My daughter works with families in crisis every week at uh, the Boys and Girls Club. And they are in desperate need. This is a nationwide problem, but even locally for foster parents. And for foster homes who can do things in an emergency situation. You know, she called us one night and said, I got six kids. They're hungry. They hadn't had dinner. And they were pulled out of their homes. And uh, I said, bring them over. You know, bring them over. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry now I've embarrassed you. Um, but one of the kids had been abused and tried to protect herself by putting her arms up. And I said, bring her, get them over here. Can't. You're not registered. You're not emergency foster parents. We can't bring them to you. What are you going to do? I don't know what I'm going to do. I just called and said, pray for us. Pray for me. I've got to know what to do with these kids. God may say, okay, adoption's not what i got in mind for you right now, but, oh, my goodness, you can do that. You can help these kids out. Um, there's just so many ways you can express love to the next generation. I believe the number one way is through adoption but I think there are other avenues that God wants to, to for you to explore today. So let's pray about it for a couple of minutes, okay? Uh, would you stand with me? And I'm going to pray, and then we're just going to have a time. If you would like to come with your family and just use these steps like a, like a prayer altar or something, that's totally okay. If you know you want to do this and you just feel like, we've we got to tell somebody, we're, on, we're in, we're in, we're in. You may just want to get out of your seat and go over to the O'Leary's and say, can we just pray with you guys? We're scared to death. Uh, one of the pastors, one of the counselors just said, we just, want, we just want to affirm out loud to somebody else, we think God's leading us. We don't know how. We don't know if it's adoption. We don't know what it is, but we're just, we're waving a white flag. We're saying, God, we're surrendered. We're totally surrendered to you. And we're, oh, we don't know what it is, but we're saying yes ahead of time. We're going to go ahead and just sign the check. We're not going to fill it in. Just give it to God and say, you fill it in. What do you want us to do? Let's pray about that right now. Make any decision that you need to make. And here's just one last thing. Let me put in there. If you are not a follower of Christ, God would like to adopt you. He'd like to adopt you into his home, into our family. I want to be your brother. Kathy wants to be your sister. And we say, come, join our family, be his. There's place for you. There's room at the table for you.
Father, thank you for your great love and your amazing grace and uh, your, your deep, deep, sweet heart. And to adopt a guy like me into your family, <laughs> I, uh, I've known you, uh, I guess I was adopted into your family 30 more years ago, and I still am overwhelmed that you would want a guy like me, just this rough kid from Fraser, and not, I don't think, a lot lovable there, but you saw something, and, and you, uh, you adopted me. I love you. I love you for that. And Father, I believe you want some physical, actual um, family adoptions to take place out of our fellowship. And Lord, I know kids in Haiti. I can see some of their faces. Some of them, I do know their names. And uh, there are kids in other places. There's some right here that, that need a home. 